pre-ramble um i think this is it oh okay <laughs> very good uh episode two of pods in the key of springfield so nick been a while since we've caught up talked about <laughs> the simpsons yeah it's been uh 20 minutes yeah it's been yeah it's uh <laughs> sorry i shouldn't rip off other podcasts and their bits uh no number one rule don't rip off other podcasts yeah well i took off the comedy bang bang shirt i was wearing earlier so today in this episode, at whatever point we release it, we are talking about episodes two and three. And three. Of hit animated sitcom The Simpsons. Yes. So we're going to start off with Bart the Genius, in I'm, which uh, I'm Bart... I'm turn back to the, the right page in my notebook for Bart the Genius. Yes, Bart the Genius. Oh, can I, first of all, something that I have noticed... Um, every time I go back to the early Simpsons episodes like this one, old... DVDs are rubbish because there's no play all button in the first episode, uh, first season of The Simpsons. Indeed, there isn't. I reckon play all doesn't come in until like season three or four on the DVD releases, and I might be wrong on that. We'll see. We'll check back in later with with play all watch. Um, A <laughs> new hit segment. It, yeah, exactly. And so you constantly you get to the end of an episode, all the way through to the end. You can't skip through all the copyright warnings at the end of each episode, and then it spits you back out to the uh, to the episode menu and then you need to go back to the main menu it's a gripe because we're doing this at my house with my equipment and i'm the one in control of the remote and frankly i'm sick of it yeah this is is this just our way of establishing that we're watching these episodes legally as well yep that's the whole literally the whole reason i did this okay fantastic all right so bud the genius uh in case anyone doesn't remember it's the episode where but switches his aptitude intelligence test with Martin and he is mistaken for a genius and he goes to genius school. Uh, at the end, I believe his father tries to kill him and it goes from there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So let's talk through some of the stuff here. This is the first episode with a, a gag on the chalkboard. The Yeah. I forget you... the terminology for that. Chalkboard is, gag? Is that what it's called? I think it's called a chalkboard gag. God, it really has been a while <laughs> since we probably watched these uh, these episodes. In this one, what was it? I will not waste chalk. So again, we have this theme of an uh, economic breakdown in The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. The the school being unable to afford chalk. It's a it's a real issue. So we start off uh, in this first scene when Maggie spells out E equals M C squared with the blocks, and then the blocks fall to the ground. This is this is like the shattering of some sort of dream on Maggie's part. I think you know she's uh It's heavily implied that Maggie is the smartest of the Simpsons throughout sure. the entire show. Yeah, but nobody ever notices throughout. There's a and this is like the ongoing theme of this entire episode. I suppose is that uh, the children in the Simpson family are much smarter than anyone gives them credit for. I'll take that. Except I've always had an interesting relationship with the. Uh, the way our society treats the phrase E equals MC squared, because knowing that phrase does not mean you have a clue about what that phrase actually means. And it's something people bandy about as like a shorthand for intelligence, when actually it's no different to knowing the name of a football club. It doesn't mean you know anything about the football club. 
That's a weird analogy to make. This is the most neck gripe I can think <laughs> of. <I> think. <laughs> this is... I, mean, I feel like I should have known, even mentioning the phrase equals MC squared, that you would have something hyper-specific <laughs> to dig into there. Some sort of broad cultural issue that you've identified. I mean, look, I've never considered my brand until now, but you're right, that is on brand for me. Did you notice the very noticeable drop in quality throughout this episode? Yeah, my, I've got a note here saying all of the walls are gradients. Yeah, which is a, to white. a very odd thing that only happens in a couple of uh, season one episodes from my memory where it's, every wall is like pink that fades to white as it goes left to right or right to left. What decision was that? Especially because if it was a decision where they said, okay, well, we're going to have the characters on the, on the right side of the screen, so let's make it fade to white to the characters stand out more, maybe I'd give them a pass, but the framing is not consistent with that. No, well, this is... Uh... I don't know. I don't know what conditions were like when they were animating these back in the 80s. I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of explanation if we were to do even the slightest amount of research. I wouldn't have thought so. No, probably um, not. I mean, as far as I can tell, the 80s existed entirely of gradients. I'd like to talk about this aptitude test that uh, please Bart takes. Did you have any, any thoughts on, on any of that? Um, uh, I we, know only, we only really get one question, but even the very fact that they're forcing these 10-year-olds to take an IQ test... Yeah. Seems very odd to me. And then they yeah. give them the results back. Yeah, well, that was um, something I found interesting, is that the, the, the test was in the morning, and just after school, which is 3.30, maybe, maybe quarter to four, uh, the psychologist is running back in saying, we've got wonderful results from the test this morning. A, how's the psychologist getting them? He's not the one running the test. B... How is it being processed that quickly if every student in the school is doing this? But to the point that your question, uh, not, not your question, to your point about the question, um, the question that we see Bart processing visually about the trains um, and how many passengers are on it. And, you know, there are, there are uh, I think it says that there are 40 people on the train at the start and each, and there are five carriages and each carriage contains the same number of people, all that stuff. That is a... It builds to a ridiculously complicated question that I'm fairly certain doesn't have a resolution. No, this. Uh, when I watched this show as a child, I remember thinking that the American public schooling system seemed tremendously difficult. I and mean, Lisa is in; she's an eight-year-old, and she's being asked to write essays. Yeah, that's yeah, as uh, when I was eight. Like, if you went the whole class without taking your pants off, the teachers would applaud you. <laughs> That was Literally a, applauded. That was a big deal, yeah. And uh, <laughs> speaking of which, this question that Bart has to answer, maybe he doesn't reach the he doesn't reach the end of the the equation. Yeah. But I feel like the very fact that he starts to visually process this is actually very advanced. Yeah, it's for an a child of that point. age. Which brings me to a point that I want to make about this episode. Okay, I think maybe Bart is actually a genius. I think that seems really? to be the implication running throughout this episode. For starters, we have him processing this question relatively well. Sure. At a later point where he's asked to come up with a paradox, he says, well, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. That's actually a pretty good paradox. Yeah, it's not that's, bad. Yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. Mm, mm, mm. His, uh, he knows what a cuspidor is at one point in the episode. I didn't know what a cuspidor is. I had to look that up. It's a spittoon, as it turns out. Really? Yeah, but that's a... 
What kind of 10-year-old knows the that word cuspidor? That is a weird word. He's not going to be encountering cuspidors in his day-to-day life. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, that's the equivalent of saying chiropodist instead of foot doctor. Yeah, maybe. And then, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is there a big spitting cult? There is actually a bit of a spitting culture in Springfield. That's uh, that spit theory that we'll get into with that another time. Uh, <laughs> On Spitwatch. The... The letter he's writing towards the end, admitting to his own stupidity, is pretty coherent and well-formed, I think. Bart's confession. Yep. He did misspell confession. Bart's, but who hasn't but, done that in there? Exactly. When he spells wiener early in the episode, he does it with the uh, with some sort of regional dialect. Which is, uh, yeah, Martin says that it was an acceptable ethnic um, uh, version. Oh, I don't know. Martin, who in this uh, early iteration is a little fucking ghoul of a character, by the way. Just yeah, this he's weird. Real piece of shit asshole who goes around just Speaking. dobbing people in with his weird receding hairline and just being a dick. Yeah, at one point his hairline goes all the way back to the back of his head and then comes back to form his fringe. He's some sort of little ghoul, I think. Yeah, There's some sort of... Little ghoul. Some sort of ghoul culture running throughout Springfield, I think. <laughs> Gotta stop using the word culture to <laughs> describe vague things that I'm picking up on. Um, my favourite thing, just jumping back to when the, re- the results came in with the... <laughs> I just saw the drawing you've done in your notebook. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, uh, when the psychologist runs in with the results... Um, Homer uses a lovely insult on Bart. He refers to Bart as a lunkhead, <laughs> which um, I'm, I think I'm going to start uh, paying attention to the things that Bart gets called. Frankly, not- it seems unwarranted. Lunkhead. Yeah. It seems like Bart is actually a fairly spirited, jovial child. Yeah, lunkhead uh, implies, I mean, to me, it draws up images of uh, apathy and lethargy. His invention of the Quidgibo, which has infiltrated modern society to Quidgibo. such an extent that I feel like it's a, a word that I've heard used by a lot of people at this For point. Sure. I don't know. It seems like a... Actually, going back to that, um, I know that you'd source a great deal of pleasure from looking at Scrabble boards. Yes, yes, I do. Um, you've often said to me that there should be art galleries that just exist of um, c- pictures of completed Scrabble boards. Yes, I definitely have an unhealthy relationship with the game of Scrabble. Yep. What did you think about the Scrabble board they were going? Do you like the words? Do you like the combos they had? No, yeah, it was a fucked board. It was bad. Yeah, it wasn't great, was no, it? No, it was terrible. And also, when they look at Homer's rack, yes. um, uh, and he says, I can't make any words with these letters, and the word oxidize is written in front of him, that seems like a really odd word to choose. Well, it's because it has a Z and an X, and an which X. are worth 10 and 8 points, respectively. And it's a seven-letter word, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess they just chose it on that criteria. I was expecting that word to be a joke. Like, I understand the joke is that he doesn't realise it's a word, even though it's a perfectly cromulent word. Indeed. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Nick. Hello. At one point in this episode, you made us rewind because you wanted to investigate whether the pencils they were using had a type or number on them. <laughs> I did. What the fuck was that all about? Okay, no, so on... As, as the test starts, the aptitude test starts, and we go to the classroom scene, we see the blackboard, and it says, uh, ap- learning test, I think is the phrase they use on the blackboard. Learning test, no two pencils. And I wanted to know if that meant number two pencils, if there was a little dot indicating an abbreviation, like we would have, you know, a 2B or a yeah, HB, sure. things like that. Or if it was like, no, you can't have two pencils. There is only one pencil per person in this test. And I wanted to go back and see if there was any punctuation which would indicate which way I was to interpret this chalk. Why on earth 
<laughs> be them not allowing two different pencils. See, that's one of the things I wanted to investigate. As it was, I got no closure from this issue at all. That's a weirdly specific thing to be picking up on. Okay, well. So part of part of what we're doing here is we're watching out for the character of Norman, who pops up in the first episode. Yeah, Norman Watch. Yeah, in the in the background, Norman Watch, which we think is going to pay dividends if we really pay attention. Mm, mm, mm. So how many times did Norman appear in this episode? Uh, none. None. I didn't see nor hear a Norman. Do you think maybe one of the children in the gifted program is one of Norman's, potentially? Ooh, that's interesting. Because we know that Norman must have a child attending... Springfield, Springfield Elementary. Yeah, but um, maybe he has a gifted child as well, and maybe those children have some sort of competition with each other. Possibly. Perhaps Norman's son is the one who oh, has no. the... He's, uh, you know, that really fucked kid that I hate <laughs> in the show. That kid who is speaking in palindromes. Yeah. I forgot the word palindrome for a moment. I had to stall, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, Jekyll is not a fan No, this, is, this has been bothering me for the last year Since I last rewatched this At episode At least the last year So there's a scene in this episode where the teacher is introducing Bart to the other kids in the school And she introduces him to one kid who speaks exclusively in palindromes mm. And the kid says, oh, Mem Saim Bart, Rabbi has memo And that's fucked Because the thing about a palindromic sentence or phrase or word is that it has to be a word in both directions. It can't just be <laughs> just gibberish in one direction. Just utter fucking nonsense. And then a real word tacked on at the end of it. Plus he just adds a T at the end there that that wasn't... Uh, I guess that's the central point. Actually, that does it, make it's, sense. It's the central it's that's, point where it That's flips. fine, whatever. But, yeah. uh, but it's still gibberish. This kid is a piece of shit. Absolute numpty. Just a real villain of a character. I'm going to call him a lunkhead. Do you think that maybe he is a... Uh, do you think I maybe... Wasn't, I wasn't expecting to call back to that. I, sorry, I enjoyed Did you did notice that. the numerous connections here to the villainous Dr. Colossus? I'll need you to run me through them. Okay, so as we know, Dr. Colossus is a character who pops up in the sixth season, I believe, in sure. Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2. Mm-hmm. He's the villain that they have captured. He's in prison and... But all my stuff's up there. Yeah, so I have this working theory that he is influencing events behind the scenes. Right. I feel like he may have been in charge of this school. There's some connections there. Actually, actually, all the desks that they're sitting on are unnecessarily futuristic. Yes, that's part of it. And you know what I think about things that are unnecessarily futuristic? Almost certainly evil. And what happens when Bart mixes an acid and a base later in class? look... I did chemistry in year 12. Okay, right? I should have known this word. <laughs> so, so, so that was 13 years ago. Yes. But I also worked for my dad who had a scientific supply company. So sure. I kept in touch with, with the acids and the bases. I used yes. to sell them uh, to universities and hospitals and things like you that. You used to sell acid at university? <laughs> Different story. Real acid? Real acid? Uh, I'll tell you what doesn't happen when you mix an acid and a base, right? So the thing is, they react... That's true. Yeah. They don't create goo. No, I wouldn't think so. And one drop is super unlikely to create enough goo to fill a room. They've created... Room goo. I mean, Bart has created matter here. That's a pretty big deal. He is... That is a big deal. I mean, there are some chemical reactions that will, you know, like if the, there's the one where you get uh, dishwashing detergent, you pour something into it, and it comes up as like a black foam uh, from hell. Yeah, That sure. kind of thing. So you can, you can expand upon matter and things like that. But 
it's um uh he's done maybe it goes to your theory of him being a genius he's done the impossible he has in a way that would that everyone else at school looks at him and goes well you clearly didn't do this right maybe he's discovered maybe you can burn that goo and our energy crisis will be solved. And we know that Springfield has a financial crisis. Imagine how good it would be if they struck Bart's gooey oil. I think it's pretty heavily implied that Bart has created some sort of super goo. Super goo. And that this may be... I think Dr. Colossus is pulling the strings behind everything. What colour does Bart turn? He turns after, green. And what colour is Dr. Colossus? Shit. Yeah, so Bart He's is following green. in the footsteps of Old Mate Colossus. Follow in the green, gooey footsteps of Dr. Colossus. So we got a lot going on here. We also, we introduced the theory last time that Homer may be some sort of serial killer. And frankly, I think he's, a, he's very aggressive in this episode. I think he's trying to kill his son again. He's his son who aggressive. may have already died in the first episode. We're unclear on that. I'm, I'm running with the theory that he did. Right, so what else have we got to discuss here? Um, Phrenology comes up in this one. Yeah. The bloody... The Simpsons refer to phrenology quite a bit. Uh, the, that's the, you know, now outdated, um, uh, psychological or psychiatric thing of measuring attributes and me- measurements of someone's head to predict, because uh, they used to think that, you know, different parts of the brain would influence you in different ways, which it does. Which was proven as correct, yes, the size of the head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't. Um, but, yeah, so as the, the, the psychiatrist is um, uh, telling, and also the psychiatrist is a... Voice-wise, could be a young Mr. Burns from an alternate reality. Yeah, did we decide on, was that clone theory or is this time travel reality theory? (laughs) See, I have a time travel theory, but it may also feed into your Dr. Colossus theory. Because the teacher at the school... Yes. ...has the same voice as a young Edna Krabappel. I think Dr. Colossus has a combination time travel clone machine because he had a young Mr. Burns getting children into the school where they are being taught by a young Edna Krabappel. Okay. I don't know how this theory is going to play out To yet. what end? Just to f- fuck with things. And what about that RDRR joke? How does that tie into everything? I actually had to get my calculator out and check that because for when it first came up on the board, I wasn't sure that R squared DR actually equals RDRR. And also, I'm not sure why, if you're going to turn R squared DR into a longer form, I'm not sure why you move the double R to the end. But I get that. That's not, that's not a heel of it. That's My me, investment me in, being in this anecdote <laughs> could not be higher. <laughs> How, how's your sarcasm, though? I really um, like it how they frame that picture that Bart draws on the wall of the principal at one point. Oh. Once he gets declared a genius, they frame the picture as though it's a great work of art. This is a good comment, I think, oh, on the malleability of value in art. Oh, that is... Oh, Ooh, malleability of value. I enjoyed that. Um, can I tell you my favourite line? Nah. Uh, yeah, get, go for it. <laughs> my favourite line for this podcast episode came from episode two yes. of the show, of The Simpsons. Yeah, Bart um, the Genius. But, so after... Um, Bart had turned himself a Dr. Colossus shade of green uh, and Homer's helping wash him off with turpentine. Uh, I bet Einstein turned himself all sorts of colours before he invented the light bulb. Is that your Homer impression? Uh, it went a little um, Yogi Bear, didn't it? Hey, hey, boy, boy, boy. <laughs> I bet Einstein turned himself all sorts of colours <laughs> before he stole them picnic baskets. 
My favourite line of the episode Please. is a few lines after that. When Bart runs past Marge and Lisa naked, screaming, as we all have at some point or another in our lives. Homer chasing him, obviously threatening to kill him because that's part of Homer's personality at this point. He's desperately trying to destroy his son before any sort of like a eatable conflict can kick in. And uh, Very on brand for Homer. Yeah, and Marge asks what's happening and Lisa says, I, I think Bud's stupid again, Mum. And she just says, huh. And that's the end of it. That is a good line. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Should we jump to the, the other episode, the fucked episode in this pair? Homer's Odyssey. Homer's Odyssey. My first note here is that Otto says he woke up with a new tattoo. And if we, we, we've seen in the first episode of the podcast, we analysed how, sim, how tattoos work in the Simpsons yes. world. I reckon uh, the, the tattoo that Otto has, which is a smiling skull on fire being stabbed with a knife, yes. took probably 15 to 20 seconds to do. I would hope so. Which is, which is why he was able to sleep through the process and wake up with it being done. And I think the reason we don't see that tattoo guy again in the series, as far as I know, is that he was arrested for tattooing a sleeping man and a child in quick succession. Yeah, what's up with... Yeah. Now, my first question about this episode is, in what ways does it relate to the epic Greek poem, The Odyssey by Homer? All right, well, as you know, I've not read that, so I'm mainly going to be in your hands for this one. It seems like it uh, hits the exact opposite beats of that poem, which is, uh, I don't know, in the, in the original poem, you know, Homer, he's, well, I should say, uh, what's his face, Odysseus, he's, you know, he's, he's won the, the battle at Troy in, sure. the, in the original, the Iliad, and then he's going on a grand quest, and he gets stranded on an island, and at one point he, he has to fight a cyclops, he returns home, and he kills the myriad of suitors awaiting his wife as a... Mm-hmm. At one point, he competes in the Olympics and wins everything by a huge margin. None of that happened in this episode at all. I was hoping Homer would at least have to face the trial of the Cyclops. And it never <laughs> happened. Um, is the, the Odyssey the one where he confronts Medusa and has to hold his shield upside down to kill a reflection? No, that's something else entirely. Oh. So, we'll, we'll skip my follow-up anecdote then. I don't know. Should we? What was it? <laughs> I don't know. It's was good... it good enough? <laughs> no, was it was <laughs> Okay, well, let's keep going then. <laughs> so, I've been trying to make notes throughout these episodes of ways that this show has ruined my life. And one thing that really struck me while watching this one <laughs> is that I have adopted The Simpsons and Homer's attitude towards beer without irony in my own life. Oh, yeah. In this episode, Homer, at one point, he's sitting on the couch. He's depressed. He's watching that brilliant uh, that brilliant channel for the unemployed, which I, I wrote down, Loaf Time, the Loaf channel time. for the unemployed, which is a fantastic joke. And he, he sees an ad for Duff Beer, and he says something along the lines of our beer. It's uh, That seems like a good temporary solution. That's not the line. But anyway, he goes to the fridge. He's, very, he's so dispirited that there's no beer there, and he has to break his son's piggy bank. He decides to kill himself. There's a lot of lines like that in The Simpsons where Homer presents beer as the solution to his problems. Yeah. And I feel like uh, I've adopted that attitude without the irony that is intended in the show. <laughs> so in that way, I feel like The Simpsons has justified the poor life decisions I've made in ways that maybe Matt Groening and company didn't intend. You know, for a long time, I thought it was pronounced Matt Groening. And then, I don't know if you remember this, about three years ago, I made a joke and I said, yeah, yeah, Matt Groening. And you, you nearly wet yourself laughing. 
and then you just kept going, what kind of character do you think he is? Sitting down right at The Simpsons going, ah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well I, I have no memory of that at all. Okay. Are you sure it happened? Um, here's one thing I am sure that happened. Yep. Uh, the toaster in the kitchen only had one opening. Only one opening. That is a toaster that can only slice one piece of bread. <laughs> Toasters don't traditionally slice bread, but I get your so meaning. F- far out. That can only toast one slice of bread. Okay, well, that's and there's a big family here, so we've got some sort of toast theory now. Um, I just think, no wonder why Marge seems so harried. If, if everyone at breakfast is having toast and they, she can only toast one slice at a time, I feel like she's going to spend all of her life. I feel like it's very rare that you see the Simpsons eating toast on the show. It's mostly pancakes, waffles, bacon and eggs, that sort of thing. Oh, no wonder why they have such a bloody low-capacity toaster. It's because no one in there gives the stuff. Do you reckon the Simpsons are gluten-free? I doubt it very much, considering the other things I just mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. If only I'd been paying attention. I was paying attention to this thing, though. Um, First uh, Bart phone-in gag to... Mo. Yep, IP freely. IP freely. Now, the thing I found interesting about that is when Mo realizes that he's been tricked and he hangs up the phone angrily and he's muttering to himself, and Homer says, Oh, don't worry, you'll catch that punk one day. And Mo says, Oh, but he keeps changing his name. Does Mo realize? Like, he realizes the joke. The joke is this guy's calling up with fake names. And then he comments on it in a way that indicates he does not realize that the joke is someone's changing their name. Mo fully intends to kill this person as well. We find that out in a later episode. He runs to the house with a knife. Yeah, he does. There's some dark stuff going on here. Dark stuff. So, Bart mentions wanting a tattoo again in this episode. It seems like he's got a very one-track mind about this. Pretty hell-bent on tattoos. Damn right. I wonder how that plays for the younger generation. Because I reckon in the early 90s, late 80s, tattoos probably had a little more sway as a rebellious kind of symbol of rebellion and tautology to some extent. Yep, sure. Um, uh, And I wonder now, because tattoos are becoming so much more mainstream, um, whether that actually, you know, of course the 10-year-old boy wants a tattoo. Who fucking doesn't? Who doesn't indeed, son? Hmm. Uh... What else have I got here? There's, a, there's an anecdote early on about a boy sticking his arm out the bus and gets ripped off. Is that yes. meant to be Herman who pops up a few episodes later with oh. a very similar story? Is The Simpsons attempting some sort of connectivity here? What an interesting foreshadowing that would be. I think that's the implication. That's great. Because we know that's how either that or they couldn't come up with two separate jokes that's... about people losing arms. No, that's great. I like that. Which I is, like uh, that a lot. Which is a very dark thing to be including in your cartoon. Uh, have you noticed the early... We haven't even said what this episode's about. Uh, Homer loses his job, tries to kill himself, makes a bunch of signs. It's bullshit. Uh, in the bus trip on the way to the nuclear power plant, they go past a toxic waste dump, yep. a tire yard, a yep. prison, and then eventually arrive at the nuclear plant. Yes. So there's something going on with Springfield. It seems like a dumping ground. Yeah, it, it's... um, Which is weird, because you think that you know, accepting the rubbish of other cities might have been enough to pull them out of the economic turmoil that they appear to be in. Yes. But perhaps it is a band-aid solution because being a dumping ground, I mean, the tyre fire has got to be causing some issues. It ends up being a major plot point in episode 199 or 200, whichever one it is, where Homer becomes the trash dude. Mm, I'm going to say 199. Let's see how wrong we are later Trash dude is his official title, I believe, in that episode. Trash dude. Nice to... uh... Sherry and Terry make their first appearance in this one. They both kiss Bart, and mm-hmm. he yells like Wario. 
<laughs> which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, great. I, I hadn't clocked on that. Huh. Another interesting little wrinkle I noticed in this one, animation-wise, because again, this episode doesn't look very good. I noticed when Homer is sitting down at the power plant, he has a fat roll on his neck. On his neck? I didn't yeah, notice that. Yeah, he's got like a little fat roll at the back of his neck. Ah, that's weird. Like, There's is... a lot of odd head shapes in, in these early se- in early episodes. Yeah, I've got a uh, I've got a little note here about the pumpkin man. Oh, makes yes. Makes an appearance. Are from people who look like things. Yep, the old freaks who pop up, the old sure. people who show up in this oh, episode. and old people. And so, proclaim that Homer's death is coming. They're like the grim specters watching over him as he walks towards the... Yeah, they might be my favourite part of that episode because the glee with which I say, that young Simpson boy's off to kill himself. Yeah, they're... It's, it's, it's so wonderfully dark and strange. This episode's... General attitude towards suicide is very strange. Like once Homer's on that bridge and he's going to jump and his family rescues him and then he says, oh, suicide's the furthest thing from my mind. I've got this new mission. He really should have gone to a doctor after that. Yeah, he absolutely should have sorted very severe out. trauma that he's going through. Yeah. But nobody, nobody sits him down and says, look, Homer, you're going through a lot. You've been off in the woods killing people at night. You're thinking about killing yourself. <laughs> There's obviously something going on here. This is not getting addressed. There are some nice shots in this episode as well. I really like that yeah. first person shot where the kids are looking at him and Maggie pokes him in the eye and everything wiggles around a bit. Oh, the thing I liked about that is that behind the kids, this is again more Nick hyper specific rubbish. Um, behind the kids on the ceiling is a smoke alarm and they've bothered to animate the blinking light on it. It blinks like three or four times. Yeah, which uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a fire in the house as well. Possibly. Maybe it's one of those silent alarms. Is it picking up the tire fire? kill so many. In this episode, we find out about the presence of El Bato, sure. a mysterious uh, graffiti baron who has yep. been graffitoing all over the place. Who do you think it is? Uh, I mean, well, look, I would have put my money down on Dr. Colossus. I was thinking it could be Colossus. <laughs> But who else could it be? Uh, uh, I reckon we haven't seen this character yet, but I reckon it might be Jasper. You think it's Jasper? It's uh, it's Jasper or Colossus for me. Okay, why Jasper? Oh, look, he's pretty uh, nimble with a can, if you know what I mean. Um, I've got some vague idea. We find out in this episode that Mo is getting pranked pretty hard, and it's... Ruining his life and twisting his heart into the, the sure. sort of a bitter lump of coal that we see in later seasons. Sure, sure. So I'm thinking maybe he's trying to strike out on his own, perform his own pranks. This is like his outlet. Right. It could also be Homer, you know, he's trying to curb his urges into other things. Something like that. <laughs> I don't know, hey, there's a lot going on in this episode. Hey, Homer, serial killer, homicide, homicide. Yeah. Yeah, those are some words that we could string together <laughs> into a way that means something. Sure. That was like the uh, that was like the word version of numerology, desperately looking for a pattern and then applying meaning to it. When we get into the fucked portion of this episode where Homer becomes some sort of safety baron, putting signs up everywhere and we learn in like a one minute montage that he's now the hero of the town for some dumb reason. It is it is such a strange Redemption story. There's some weird stuff going on here. First of all, the government process 
is shown to be very effective. He goes in, he <laughs> says there should be this sign, they agree immediately, the sign gets erected. But beyond that, Homer is presented as this sort of controversial hero figure, this sort of like counterculture hero. But it seems like everyone just approves of everything he does. Like the government mm. is fully on board with him, the people mm. are fully on board, there's... I don't know, it doesn't seem particularly heroic. It just seems like some guy said, hey, this should happen, and then it happened. There's this weird, weird element to it where nothing he does is heroic. It's just sensible, and everybody agrees with it. Mm. There's no pushback, mm. and there's not really a plot there. Mm. And then he goes to the it power is, plant. It is a really, like, three episodes in to this brand new, sparkling, never-before-seen series, it is a very odd episode in that they go to kill off the main character. Yes. He only survives because his son can't sleep through the night. Indeed. And then after taking... That is a bold move, right? In your third episode to kill off your main character. And then not content that that's a big enough stretch of a story. They then have the weakest B story ever. That Homer becomes a guy who puts up signs. I got a bit of a theory for you. And look, this is... They ran out of ideas three episodes in? No, this is pretty out there. This is... This is the kind of theory that I don't think anyone has ever presented before. I'm looking forward to it. About this or any show. What if Homer successfully jumps off that bridge? And the rest of the series... (laughs) Are just his thoughts, as he plummets... It's just like the uh, the oh. incident at Owl Creek Bridge, but with Homer jumping off that bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some legs here. I don't think that many people have, have, have raised theories like that in the past. Yeah, I think this is fresh and new and interesting. Much like The Simpsons And itself. I think if we got onto Matt groaning, am I right? <laughs> I think maybe, maybe he would back us up on this. I reckon he would. Because why don't they age? Well, see, that's another thing that I've been... I, so, initially, I had, I'd started concocting a theory. I hope this isn't earnest. <laughs> While we were watching the second episode. <laughs> I, had a, I started concocting a theory while we were watching episode two because in the um, opening credit sequence where they, where they show the school band, I thought I saw Alison, but Alison doesn't come in until much, much, much later. And then I was like, well, clearly, this is like a parallel universe within its own time loop, if you will. And that was part of my explanation for why we had a young Mr. Burns as the psychologist and an old Mr. Burns as the evil nuclear power baron coexisting in the same city, much like we have old, um, you know, uh, beaten down Edna Krabappel as a listless and unenergetic primary school teacher, but also young Edna working at the special school. I was starting to develop this whole thing, and then we, episode three started, and I went, oh, that's not Alison in the band at all. So, through the whole theory. And right. you realise that time is not actually the flat circle that you thought it was. Um, have you been seeking the Yellow King? I'm t- what? Sorry, these are references to a show you have not seen. Oh, fuck. But, uh, yeah... And then right at the end, when Homer gets his job as the safety advisor, technician, whatever that he has for the rest of the series. Safety inspector, isn't it? And he gets up on the banister and starts dancing like a fucking lunatic, like a real fucking twit idiot. And then he falls off the banister 
And he's falling and the crowd catches him and that shouldn't have happened. No. What if while he's falling... (laughs) His whole life is a dream. (laughs) And he just splats around the fucking pavement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we know pavement splatting from the first episode is a bit of an ongoing theme. Uh, Yeah, with Maggie's face. Did Norman pop up in this one, Nick? Oh, in in episode three? Yeah. Uh, Let me think. Uh, nope. I was thinking maybe it could have been Wendell's dad. Because we meet Wendell in this episode and he's a real character. Mm, that's an interesting point. Is he Wendell's dad? Nope. Do we see Norman vomiting in the first episode? Because that would be a good tip. Oh, that would have been a good tip. We don't. But also, Homer doesn't pat Norman on the back in the extremely violent way that Bart pats Wendell on the back. So maybe that's his trigger to vomiting. And so maybe I don't have enough evidence to say whether or not this was a successful Norman Watch episode. But tentative investigations lead me to say it's not a successful Norman Watch episode. That's unfortunate because I really thought Norman would be popping up pretty regularly. I'm, I, I'm keeping my eyes and ears peeled. Do you keep ears peeled? Ears open, <laughs> eyes peeled. How does this keep coming up? The distinction between eyes and ears. This is the second episode. And anyway, did you have a favourite line from this episode? Did you record anything oh. on this one? Um Yes. Sorry, I had to pick my book up. My favourite line from this one, I forget the context of it actually, I've just written it down. Oh no, yes, I remember the context now. It is when they're getting onto the bus and Bart's acting up and um, Krabappel says, I've had just about enough of your tomfoolery. Two reasons I like that line. A, tomfoolery is a lovely word. And B, it reminds me of my favourite thing that I've ever seen in a supermarket. Okay. So I was in a supermarket once and a little kid, I'm going to say he was probably six or seven, somewhere around there, picked up two carrots out of the big carrot display, started conducting, uh, started using them as batons as if he was conducting uh, an orchestra, weirdly an orchestra of carrots because he was still at the carrot bay, which brings this, he was using, you know, I mean, that's the equivalent of picking up a cellist and using it to conduct an orchestra, but we won't go into that. Um, He was conducting this thing and, and like, you know, being a goose and the mum said uh you know christopher i am not in the mood for your behavior today and the kid looked up at the mum earnestly put the carrots down and said well how about thursday (laughs) and i was like that's perfect you little bloody six or seven year old kid booking in ahead to misbehave i love it booking in his mischief and his nonsense booking in his mischief and his nonsense what a wonderful child isn't that the name of your autobiography? God, what a wonderful child. <laughs> no, booking in mischief and nonsense. Either or. Uh, I think my favourite line in the episode is right towards the end where Homer is speaking to the assembled mass sure. that has formed outside the power plant to congratulate him on all the, all the work he's done. All the signs. Which basically amounts to, I guess, standing in a building and saying, I think we should have these signs. And he gets the microphone... And he says, unlike most of you, I am not a nut. Which to me is a really good illustration of how fucking ridiculous that whole plotline is. Uh, it's such a simple line too. <sighs> Simpsons is a good show. Quality program? Yes. Mm. Should we keep watching it? Uh, yeah. Okay. 
All um, right. Well, I guess that's uh, I guess that's the second episode done and second, or dusted. Second episode of fuck. Did we introduce the name of this podcast at the start of this Pods episode? In the key of spring. I think we did. Yeah. Pods in the. Oh no, we did. We did. Yeah, because we, did, we the did, back did the back and forth. forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I got forty-one minutes and ten seconds in. I thought that we hadn't said the name, but in fact, we had in a way that was brilliantly unrehearsed. Well, you think people are just listening to the podcast and they're not sure what they're listening to? I mean, maybe they clicked shuffle all in their podcast player. Okay. Is that a thing? Well, you know, we're the only podcast about The Simpsons. I'm fairly certain that we're aware of, and that seems like a fair assumption. So I think. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any confusion ever. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm getting a phone call, so um, I should probably answer that. So let's let's end it here. You are Jekyll. Yes, I yes I am. I'm also James. Uh, I was going to say on on Twitter. Yes, sure. J i c k l e. Yeah. I am Nick Ibis. N i c k i b i s. Yep, Nick Ibis. And this has been Nicky Biz. And this has been Pods in, in the, the key, key of etc. <laughs> Springfield. Bye. I can hear you. I think I can hear me. I think I sound fine. Yeah, I reckon you sound great. Yeah. Oh, that was now it was me peaking. Fuck. Yeah, you're, I reckon if you go a little further back. A little further back. I don't know if these cardboard things are going to do what I imagined they would. Well, I think it's more like this is saying, you're way too fucking close. You're way too fucking close. Way too close. Way too fucking close. Too close. Too close. Hey, it's me, Glenn Close. <laughs> oh, get out of here, Glenn. That's not what Glenn Close sounds like at all. <laughs>